This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 440, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 440. My name is Connor, and joining me are Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Jeff Flanagan. Connor! 
Josh Flanagan. Damn it. Josh cannot. Jeff, John Flanagan. Josh Flanagan. We are a fanboy. We like comics. Let's see him show up for a show when he's just tweeting from E3 for nine years straight. Every week we read a bunch of comics. I'll one of us. Next, I'll be out next week. What? 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 what, what? It's true. He's not going to be here next week. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was trying to do the joke. I don't read the emails. One of us picks the best book they read. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book on this here show, along with other comics, other topics of interest, fun stuff. Sometimes just goofy nonsense, but we don't make promises. Before we get to the show, quick reminder and a warning, it's a review show, so we'll be talking about the books that came out and the stories behind the covers. So if you haven't read them yet, you don't want to be spoiled. Pause the show and come back when the coast is clear and the bullets have stopped flying. Josh! While you're still on the show, you had the pick of the week. I thought, I thought for a second we have to talk about. The he's got a he's got a good hour. He's all right. I thought we were gonna have to talk about the stories behind the covers, and I was like, I don't know why they did that cover like that. Should I, <laughs> should I call someone? I thought you had. You, why did you, your email? Why did you? We why changed did you the format. Lay, why did you lay it out like this? Yeah. Uh, why'd you Why'd you pick that colorist? The pick of the week um, is Royals Masters of War, uh, number five. Of six, there's there's one more to go, and you can tell that when you're reading this. I gotta tell you, from a from a perfect storm timing standpoint, there really was no other choice. It's the first book I read this week, and I thought, well, that's that's gonna be the pick of the week, and and here's why. Um, as as some of you may know, it was the 70th anniversary of the D-Day invasion uh, a few days ago, or when you listen to this a little while ago, uh, and and it just so happened that on that day, I started rewatching Band of Brothers sort of while I was working. And I'd gotten through two episodes. The second episode is, of course, the D-Day landing. Um, and I was like, oh, shit, it's D-Day. What's well, That put me in a mood. Then Connor told me to start watching uh, the, wor- the World's War. What, what's the it World Wars. The World Wars. So I was watching that. Um, there's another thing going on. Uh, and I started reading this, and I was like, well, there's, there's nothing's going to beat that to me. But uh, – and also it's not – Great week. Well, also, you you have previously met, called this your favorite DC book. Yeah, I'm I'm loving this. And this. Uh, we all, I believe, Paul, are you still reading yes. this? Yeah, we I all was the one who, I really... was the one you guys should check this out. Listen, the the, the record no. is unclear. No, I this read it. I read it the first week. I read it. I read it the first week too, sure. and I said, guys, make sure you read this. I was reading it. That's okay. what I'm saying. Don't. Maybe you told. I don't know. I told Connor at least. The record's unclear. The point we both is, told Connor. The point is, we've all been really enjoying it. It's been really good, and this is another fine issue. This was this is the story of the royals, who are the uh, royal bloodlines, the kings and queens and princes and princesses of Europe, who all have superpowers imbued from their royal blood, it's, and also of Asia. Uh, it's and, basically an alternate history of uh, of the world, World War Two specifically. Um, you know, it, where everything that happens in here sort of fits into what happened to real events. Um, but with this, with this other uh, Except overlay, that the, the royals are like Superman. They have powers. And they go yeah. out. And, and, and but and, then you might ask, well, wouldn't the war just be over because the superheroes would go in and stop everything? No, because they have this agreement that they're not going to engage and just let the you know the people do the fighting. But as uh, as we have to tell a story, when there is an agreement, when there is a gun, it must be shot. Um, for those of you theater students out there. And uh, such is the case, and the Royals get involved, and that's what we've been watching for a while, and they're messed up. This is very close. Like, it feels like I'm reading, like, like historical authority. 
Mm-hmm. That's what it. That's what it feels like. Like like uh, it, it has that kind of tone very much, and it's very melodramatic. And then at the same time, like all of this stuff is interweaved with with actual things. Like there's a there's a bit in here about. It's very quick, but they're they're uh, flying over and taking pictures of Calais, which is the French port, the you know fifty miles off the coast of England. And the the thing about D Day was, um, they tried to fool. They, there was all these huge. They didn't try. Maneuvers. They did it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was all these huge maneuvers, fake cardboard uh, armies and tanks and things like that. They were all designed to make Germany think that they were going to land at Calais instead of Normandy, um, which worked because it was a complete surprise when they showed up at Normandy that day. Um, and but it's just like a, that was like a nice little touch for me was that little one off of of that they didn't really explain it you kind of either had to know it or you didn't and that's fine like and I really I as a person who really likes reading the history I really like that bit but then they've got you know you know the, all, like Churchill's in this and and they kind of refer to Hitler but he's like much less of a major player in this in a certain they're like oh that maniac Hitler's screwing things up because. Like where the power lies is sort of in dispute, you know, like, well, the royals have the power, but they've sort of chosen not to use it or, you know, or they do. And there's all sorts of neat things going on. Then the the Russians are complete like uh, wild card, I guess, in that sense. I think it'd be very easy to make like super Hitler and they very wisely don't do that. Well, he's not royal. He's a of course, yeah. So they they play by the rules. But I could I could see someone saying, well, but Hitler's like, you know. A lesser well, it's, it's actually, nephew of it's the... a plot point in this issue in particular, and the the main the main I think dramatic focus hasn't been the war; it's been the war between the royals themselves, and not even right. the physical war. It's been the fight between the two brothers, the two princes of England. One of them is very gung ho about fighting the war; the other one just wants to drink and screw and not deal with the commoners. And the one who's going to be king, right? And their father who who's disapproving, and their sister who they one once again there's there's a weird incestual relationship. There's been too many of those this year, um, but. And this is where it all comes to a head. But also, there's a reference here with how, you know, they've, there's been a deal made that they're going to end the war. That England is going to flee. The, the royals are going to flee England, go back to Germany to be, to re, 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 where they came from because the German royal line and this happened in reality. The German royal line and the English royal line overlapped, and so right. they're going back. They're going back to Germany to, to you know, where their their, their family is from. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the, you know, they they are actually the German royals. You think about it, but, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, like the like the Kaiser was was, I think, either like a grandson of uh, of Victoria, you know, which sort of leads into you know the events of lead World War One, leading to World War Two. Um, really interesting stuff. Yeah. So the, uh, um, the character stuff in the the, you know, the interfamily drama is really interesting. I think if you if you like Game of Thrones, if you like Lazarus, which also has <laughs> those good, both also good, have yeah. incestuous True. relationships, but. But even more so, it's just about the family dynamics and the power plays. And this is other sort of uh, really like this, like the one the the one prince is super into his sister, like way too much. But he's also into being like the hero and wants to, you know, he's the one who charged into the war, who became part of it. And then, uh, yeah, the princess is basically possessed by one of the German royals. And so the whole time, like she's. She's talking with the voice of someone else because she's a psychic and they tried to use her to, to get to him uh, and it backfired. Um, and she's trying the whole time to, you know, leverage, um, you know, demands basically for information that she knows because she keeps saying she knows who the spy is. And then we find out at the end who the spy is. I, I think that is that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. And, you know, it's the fifth of six issues. So you have this is the issue for the big twist reveal yeah. or 
or whatever, something like that. And this is where we get in this issue. We find out who the spy is, and then the spy ends up killing at least one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a spoiler warning, but I, a lot of people aren't reading this, so I'm going to let that one go. Yeah. And, uh, and I just I love the character dynamics of this. And I also love the art in it as well. Oh, it's it's perfect. It's literally perfect. Like you need someone who can do these doing. these big action sequences, but also great character drama, but also really great World War II era equipment, planes yeah. and tanks, and you know the the battles, the stuff in the battlefield has to look authentic. Otherwise, this yeah. whole story falls in on itself. And Simon Colby does really wonderful. Uh, I don't, don't know equipment. what it is about British artists, but. They seem to have, you know, if you think about like Chris Weston or we should, I'm sorry, we should also mention Gary Erskine, who's a great artist in himself. Is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I didn't even think yeah. I knew that. Gary Erskine would be another uh, uh, example I would have used mm-hmm. of somebody who can draw stuff like this. And like guys who came out of particularly like 2000 AD, like they seem to do this stuff really well. I don't know if it's part of art school. Like you just spend you spend one semester. And now just, we're gonna draw Sherman tanks. You just draw the Spitfire over and over and over again. I that's, love the cover on this one, and it's a nice bookend with the uh, the cliffhanger. Well, not really a cliffhanger, but the the last page. It's a cliffhanger. Well, the cliffhanger comes a little bit before that last page. Yeah, multiple cover. cliffs, multiple hangs. From yeah, multiple yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, just it it's uh, it the was depth it was, of the cover is wonderful. Yeah, this is yes. just one of those that penultimate issue that has like everything built up to it. It's sort of full of intrigue and drama and there's action and and you're like well everything is going to happen you know now and everything you know is going to hinge on what happens in this one it was just super exciting and it's just in the end of the day like it was all just well crafted and well woven and uh you know i'm, I'm gonna be upset when it's over but it's yeah. a it's a really nice mini series honestly i wasn't paying attention to how many issues this was and what issue number this was so i didn't know that the next issue was the last one i think they've got you know mat- you know the the potential yeah. to go even further than this or you go back if they wanted to if they you could know, like like there's well much, you mentioned lazarus before much like lazarus i would love to read a novel of this world oh absolutely so, so. You know, really sort of that allows them to really go deep into the story and and maybe even do the history. You know, I think it'd be really interesting. It's a great world they built. And I, granted, it's mostly the real world, but the the historical fiction aspect of it is really interesting. And But it fits it fits so well as an overlay, like like it's just mm-hmm. one step further. This bloodline that everybody was trying to keep the royals because they were supposedly chosen by God and superior than us. You know, well, the reason is because they have these these superpowers. And, just, and I think I think the more there's a loot, the weaker they got. Right. I mean, that was. Yeah. Right. Point, point. <clears throat> and also, I, I like the this wasn't an issue, but I like the Americans doing it. We don't have a royal line. So we had fake soldiers and they all got killed. Yeah, um, it's just been a really great series. We talked about it a lot before, but it, it's worth reiterating every time. Yeah, um, so it was, a, it was a good week. I was glad that I got you know there's only six issues. These I'm glad that one of them got to be pick of the week because it's really been one of the highlights of comics for me over the past few months. Yeah, I'm glad we got to highlight this. Definitely. So I don't know <laughs> that um, I have ever read a comic book that I think so perfectly encapsulated the personality of the writer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm talking about Shutter Number Three, written by Joe Keating, um, with uh, art by Leila DeLuca. And I don't mean to shortchange her at all, but I've known Joe for I've known it. Joe for some time, and I've known his work. And this is just this this pastiche of of imagination and sort of foreign comics and and all of this stuff at the same time. And uh, I don't I don't even know what to make of it. I, I I it's good, and I enjoyed it, but it's it's. It's very unique. It's very out there. It's I think yeah. it's like an adult's version of Axe Cop. 
Like, <laughs> it's just like throwing stuff at the wall. I mean, there were lion gangsters last issue. This issue, we got to talk about the opening sequence. Yeah, it's great. Which yeah. the artist really outdid herself here. And it's this send up of Richard Scarry. Is he down? Yeah, those those books and you know the the the, the police character the policeman character looks like the cat from the Richard Scarry things. Um, and, that's I, I read all those. But I haven't had and the later hosen, like, right? <laughs> yeah, um, Puckle. There you go. And um, Loli the worm. The Loli's the worm, right? But it has arms in this. Yeah, well, I don't know what that's like. It looks like a salamander or something. But basically, <laughs> it's this very cute little picture book told in these. It's uh, in these grids, these sixteen panels. Sixteen panels is it? Okay, I don't have it in front of me. And um, basically, uh, is a hitman. If you imagine one of the Richard Scarry characters is a reformed hitman who goes through is going through a divorce and needs the money to pay for alimony and everything, um, agrees to go on one last kill. <laughs> and whenever kill anyone is a cliffhanger offers you one last issue. anything, you're you need to turn it down. So again, that is a giant bomb gun. And luckily, there are two bombs. So he fires off the bomb that um, we see careening towards the apartment building uh, at the end of issue two. Um, and then that crashes and, ex- and explodes. Doesn't hit the target that we're looking for. Um, and then he's like, why did I do this again? And shoots himself. Imagine a worm shooting himself with a giant gun as big as like a motorbike. So when I first started this issue, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know the rules of this world at all. <laughs> no. There's like, there's the black and white cat thing that's alive, and there's a there's so the a cat clock with the clock. tail, right? The butler that's made of bones, and and those hitmen, and then by the end of it, I was like, eh, whatever, I don't care, I don't know the rules, it doesn't bother me. But um, I think a lot of it, and it has to do with the art team of Layla Deluca and Owen uh, Gini or Gini. Uh, I think they're just wonderful. That first two-page sequence that Paul mentioned, the 16-pound grids, opening up to this giant two-page spread, uh, just chock full of big explosion page, chock full of detail and great, uh, a really great perspective on the shot. And she's just, she's great. She's really, really, she draws all kinds of great, there's also a shot of some weird fox creature riding a triceratops with a bloody sword. With a katana, basically. It's just, it's an artistic tour de force is what it is. Um, the flashback sequences are done in a completely different style too. It just very easily signals that you're not, you know, in this time and space that you were, and you're going back into the colors changing, the you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just this young woman adventurer explorer. I'm um, hard pressed to give anyone sort sort of logline in this book, right? You know, well, but, at, the, at the end of the day, yeah. I'm just trying I mean, to think of some kind of through line for like, that. Ah, I don't know, but it's crazy. It's full of imagination, and I it's think. A, it's about a lot of things that Joe Keating likes. <laughs> I know that much, and he likes a lot of cool things, so that's probably not This bad. is a guy who did a Hulk miniseries based on the films of the French New Wave. So that's, that's the kind of imagination that you're dealing with. That's the mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And he's just having fun, and that, you know, that fun is, um, is uh, catching. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you're right, though. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pitch this to you. Now... One of our favorite New 52 books, was, at least for some of us, was OMAC. Yeah. It ran for eight issues. Two of the eight were picks of the week. And uh, the OMAC team has returned with Infinity Man and the Forever People. It's written by Dan Dio and Keith Giffen. It's art by Scott Koblish and Keith Giffen. And uh, I, I loved it. I mean, there's things about it 
we'll get to in a second. But overall, right. it's, it's the energy and the feel of OMAC. Without it's not exactly OMAC again, but it's that energy and feel. And it feels like that world, and uh... it feels so antithetical to set here. You say that a book written by Dan DiDio is a book like that. I know that's that's the because thing. of the terror that one has wrought. Yeah, um, I mean, I loved. I, I'm one of the ones who loved OMAC, and and I missed it when it was gone. And um, I was going to read this anyway, but I got so many recommendations to read this. Like, make sure you read Infinity Man and the Forever People. Um, of course, I, I love the New Gods, um, and I love you know, I, I love anything Kirby that I've read. Unfortunately, I've never read the Forever People. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten to that stuff yet. So this was new to me. So basically the idea, if you're not familiar, is you've got a bunch of new gods. So so citizens of that world. And it's so the new gods aren't just, you know, Mr. Miracle and Orion and, you know, Darkseid and all them. Um, it's everybody from that that new Genesis world and Apocalypse, right? And yeah. they have a little group, a little contingent that goes to Earth basically sort of as envoys for New Genesis, and they're there to help, you know, and, and enrich the Earth because they're, they're, they come from a perfect society, right? At least New Genesis is. And they just want to help. And so they're, they're sort of... Uh, it's a little bit condescending, but they're, but they're you know... Um, they're good they're enough advanced, benefactors. so, you know, whatever. Right. As long as they're not going to eat us. <laughs> That's right. And um, it's it's very much um, a tribute to Kirby, um, and there's even a line in here. Let's see, like, oh, the it. robot, the, well, the, the robot. There's a, like an artificial intelligence. Yeah, the name is Kirby, but then also, Man. Um, where is it? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you while you're looking for that. Yeah. I will. I will say one thing. Uh, Keith Gibbon. Keith Gibbons never. Uh, Giffen. Sorry, Keith Giffen never really decided. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this particular layout. <laughs> he's got he's got four moves and that's what you're getting. Yeah, there's there was one page where and there's a couple of nitpicks I have about the issue. One right. is is that is that they go to the so they the this this group of grad students basically goes through a boom tube and nitpick number one is I hate the boom tube in this. It's just like a little gold box and not the cool Kirby hand hand thing. Um I hate the boom tube design. But they go to they go to Earth to they run to Infinity Man who lives in Venice, California. Which we'll get to in a second. Um, but then they go to his house, and it's supposed to be super. That's impressive. not Infinity Man. That's not Infinity Man. Infinity Man hasn't hasn't showed up yet. That's oh right, right, right. That's, that's Big Bear uh, or big, yeah, Big Bear. Right. Some of the names have been transposed from the old versions, which is strange. Beautiful Dreamers, not Dreamer. Beautiful. It's weird. Um, and uh, they go to his house, and they're all impressed by it. We never pull back to see the house. Hmm. That's true. Well, yeah. as I'm looking, as I'm just sort of flipping through it right now, the. Uh, there's a lot of promise in the art that isn't fulfilled. That first page, which is sort of like hanging out in the cosmos and the, and the boom tube is moving around and whatever, and there's that big shot of the crazy city in the sky, New Genesis, I assume. Um, then you go to the next page, and it's a two-page spread. Again, it's like this landscape like that is just it's screaming at you that's Kirby. I mean, like the, the huge uh, overarching shapes and then that panel at the bottom of, of whoever it is running away from the panel. You just sort of see the back of them and their foot. And then after that, it's just a series of four and six panel pages of faces hmm. and medium shots. Uh, it really like like you're inst- like if you if you stop paying attention in the beginning, you go, oh, this is going to be a super artistic tour de force, which is a word you used in the last book. Sorry. Um, and then as you keep going, like all of a sudden the layouts become super boring. 
and I, and I haven't read it. I'm I'm just sort of critiquing. It's not necessarily, it from... and it's not necessarily a bad thing. We've talked in the past about people who are just sort of solid storytellers who can tell a story, and that's basically what Keith Giffen does here. It's just it's and, interesting and, and, when you're when you're tributing one of the most dynamic artists of all and time, and especially no, and especially when you're leaving New Genesis, and we're evidently going to be spending most of our time on Earth. So you have this one opportunity to show these you know grand vistas on New Genesis and everything, and get well, really Kirby'd out. And you could, but the thing is that there, there's there's no uh, shortage of Kirby work that is going to look kind of boring. Like he did a lot of sure. stuff that was really great, but he also, you know, this is a guy who did something like 15 pages and a week. I, and I, mean, I really, wasn't. I really like the art in this. I don't I do necessarily too. Critique of it, um, but I found the, I found the line. Um, it's Kirby is my communal reconstruction bio engine. He's responsible for building and maintaining this environment. Without him, none of this would be possible. Right. Without Kirby. None and, of this would be happening. And do you know why they can get away with saying that while the other company can't? <laughs> there's no lawsuit. No, because Kirby got royalties for this stuff. Right, but there's also no law. That's what there's right. no I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, DC's covered because they yeah. can say this is from Jack Kirby. He got a part of it. Whatever that deal is, you know, nobody got hosed on this. The whole point – like, I, this is just, like I said, a history thing. Like, but when mm-hmm. they needed bad guys for the – um. For the superpowers. for the superpowers line, you know, they said we're going to do them with the new gods and 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 dark side, and and they gave Kirby a check for it, and you know, like he never forgot that, like that was a really big deal to him, and and so that's how you feel good about reading the stuff, I guess. I really enjoyed the Venice joke because I live right near Venice Beach, and uh, the 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 forever people show up and they're worried about blending in, and they're like, don't worry about it, it's Venice, no one's going to even notice, which is absolutely one hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If these these people walk through. On Windward Avenue, they, no one would even blink an eye. But uh, I liked it. It was super fun. If you were an OMAC fan, all 8,000 wonderful people of you, then you should uh, <laughs> check it out. This is something <laughs> where oh, – go, go ahead. I, no, I was moving on to the next one. That's fine. I, I, I wonder – She-Hulk number five feels like a book that should not exist. <laughs> the whole series kind of feels that way. Like, are they where they're publishing it kind of thing, which we, the joke we always make. But – the normal art. This is a this is a fill in issue with a fill in artist and uh, not a fill in issue. It's Ron Wimberly, yeah. And uh, so it's not the normal art, which the normal art in and of itself is pretty unstandard superhero fare. This, but this is like times ten. Yeah. And I love I loved it, but I'm reading it going, do they know? Do they know what's happening in this issue? Because it's crazy. I would write scenes like She Hulk and Shocker talking on a couch all day if I was allowed to. You don't even see Shocker in full costume either. No. You see him with the gloves on. For most of it, you don't even see him with the mask on. You're sitting there like, who's that guy? And you only know it's Shocker, you know, through context of the story and then uh, the gloves on his hands, you know, the gauntlet. I, I actually went back, took me a couple of pages, and I was like, Herman, Herman. Oh, right, because he's in the other book. So yep. that helped. The other book that I can't imagine. I, I also couldn't. I couldn't tell at first if the exaggerated limbs were like a story element or just an art element. I think it's an art. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's an art element. It's probably element. an art element at a, first. For the first time Tiger's hand got really big, I was like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Then I realized it was happening all the time, and I realized it was just an artistic choice. But, like, this is, this is like, extremely un-Marvel-like. Yeah, right away we're in, a, uh, in the hallway of an apartment complex, and there's this sort of um, fisheye effect. Um, the way the uh, the limbs are sort of contorted, so yeah. we're just we're looking at this distorted view. And I could see that as, um, you know, you're looking through – the department. Uh, department keyhole or the door or the yeah eye hole and um but then that continues throughout the entire story and uh because it's consistent i i kind of liked it um sometimes the the uh, uh the backgrounds are a little sparse for just how crazy 
the you know the figures are uh, which is a complaint i've heard uh, leveled at um like travel foreman art and animal man mm. um so i could, I could kind of see so there's some pages that that worked really well for me some of them i don't really mind it i really yeah. I, I didn't even notice to be honest with you because the, the figures are so crazy that i wouldn't even want a background because mm. it's you want- so take away I, Tiger was drawn strange. I was like, it doesn't feel like it looks like Tiger. Right. And she was wearing like a weird bikini. Like, yeah, but it was, like a, thing. it was like a bra from the 60s. Like it's weird. And also she has a rooftop apartment with a pool and a jungle gym of some kind. Right. A, a jumping cube. Well, I, she's I a this, cat. All the all the talk was about the art, but I really like the story, actually. Um, there's this phantom lawsuit that they found filed that named a bunch of old west coast avengers as defendants so you've got tiger and hellcat and she hulk and dr druid who's no longer with us i say like he's a real person and uh, uh they've all been named in this lawsuit and she Hulk's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and it turns out every time somebody's told the lawsuit they get triggered into this homicidal rage and i, th- I liked it a lot I it's not a one shot it's still going i but. think what's really cool about it is that like i know that charles is an attorney you know in his other life and I feel like this is a real th- this. I, this to me feels like the kind of like the the eternally equivalent of the dream where you don't have pants on. Is that there's a lawsuit out there that has affected you, but you don't know about it. Or you go <laughs> into a giant storage room and there's just papers everywhere. And yeah, no, like no, there. like like you can't learn anything more about it. Like it, it feels it does. It feels like a bad dream. Wait, I'm named in this lawsuit. Well, this might be something. Well, don't worry about it. And every time you open a corner, like whatever it is, is just doesn't make sense. Like it's all – I mean obviously like it, it doesn't feel like a dream in this but like sort of the structure is like that. Like it just keeps getting worse. Um, it, it feels, that feels like lawyer paranoia, which I think is, I think is really kind of cool and, uh, and, and, and you know, Well, authentic. he certainly imbues the story with a lot of uh, authentic, authentic details. That last Without it getting too bogged issue. down in that. Yeah. Right. It's not, it doesn't feel like a David E. Kelly story but it does feel very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this must I, be a thing that happens. I would challenge anyone at Marvel, and it's not really an issue uh, in this particular issue of All New Invaders, this is number six, but I was thinking about it as I was looking through the other issues, that to tell me that the Captain America costume looks good. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're not going to... Yeah, He's on the cover a little bit, but he looks better on the cover than he looks in the interior. Well, right? the, the, the first thing that I wanted to bring up with this is look at that cover. That's a good cover, right? Really good cover, yeah. Look who drew it. Land, interesting. That's a Greg Land cover. That's the greatest looking Greg Land cover huh. we've seen in forever. Wow. I was, I, I went back. It's not a style that he definitely draws in. Look at, look how cool Namor looks. Yeah, it's a great Greg Land cover, and I want to give Greg Land credit for drawing a great cover. Very good. I wanted to take that time. Uh, look at you! It's like fair and balanced on iFanboy. Yeah. Of you. Yeah. No, you're absolutely one hundred percent right. That is a great cover by Greg Land, and. I wish he I wish he drawn the interior. That nothing against Mark Lamming, but I liked I liked the cover quite a bit. Um, Mark Lamming, uh, you may remember uh, as the guy who stepped in on the second arc, and I think all the arcs after Gabriel Hardman on the Planet of the Apes books, mm-hmm. and a very similar style. This is good art wise. I just I like that cover quite no, a bit. I, I really like the interior art actually. Um, How do we feel about the red? This is a red. Uh, I'm sorry, red. This is Human Torch. Human Torch original Human Torch. Issue where he's now part of Shield. At the end of the last issue, he joined Shield with Captain America. That's really always, where the co- co- that's where the costume bugged me. But anyway, well, how do you feel about his red version of the costume here? I thought it's unusual that they would have taken the time to make that. 
<laughs> I kind of like it, honestly. I mean, I don't mind it. Like, it works. It's kind of cool. I, I really, I've always liked spending time fictionally with with Jim Hammond. Yeah. I really liked. Uh, I don't know. This just doesn't feel like all the rest of the Marvel comics. It's not, it feels like something older in a cool way, and and just like this kind of story. And I mean, this is something James Robinson does: is that he he doesn't really write comics of now. He writes sort of timeless comics that that sort of encapsulate a bunch of different eras of comics. I think. And, you know, I, I thought the, I thought the ending was really intriguing. Like, I like how this, like, she doesn't seem to have gone crazy, this Radiance girl. Like, there's something going on. She's not crazy. She, she's now been downloaded to sin. She knows yeah. their sin. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to avoid all these. I like, I like the, I like the, I like the Radiance character. I gotta be honest with you. I'm not a big Human Torch fan. I, I think he's kind of dull. Well, I think that's the point. He's, I think he's a cipher for that kind of thing. Like, and it's really like throw this sort of guy who doesn't know who he is or what he is into the deep end, which is interesting. And like, I, I you know, like you've got that scene of, I would have drawn. This is this is totally like inside. I would have drawn the psychologist, the the shield psychologist, uh, mm-hmm. like differently. I think the way that he's drawn, it makes him look sort of ineffectual, like a bureaucrat or something. Well, he does like that. look a lot like Coulson. Yeah, it was also in this issue. So at a certain point, I didn't know who I was looking at. Like it just—it doesn't remind you, the the scene. This is again. This is going to be inside the three of us. Really, the scene reminds me of Alan Arkin on The West Wing, mm-hmm. where like he's supposed to be really sly, and I, I just don't get that out of him visually. Right. And I think it would have been cool if if uh, if it was just done a little differently. That's that's totally like a note that that may or may not matter. It's just a feeling I got out of it because I really like that scene. I like the setups. I like I love. The, I love the history, like the tying what's in happening now to what happened with the invaders. And even if so, if we're not going to have Captain America and Bucky and Namor in every issue, then the things that they did is going to matter to what's going on now. Right. Uh, I think that's the way to do this, and it's fun. I just want. If we, go ahead. No, I was say if we, if we all wore matching jumpsuits, like I fanboy branded matching jumpsuits, what colors would you guys have? Did they give me different colors then? Well, his is red, and Caps is blue. Right. Would yours be plaid? I think I think it would have to be. It would have a little like it would have like a little tie. <laughs> you can be gingham. I'll be plaid. I used to be gingham. No, no. I, well, I, I, me and Ron. A lot of gingham. It's a lot of gingham. Yeah, I don't need to. I don't want gingham. I don't. That's not my thing. I just I need two more plaids and I'll have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to you about Black Watch forever. Uh. This was this was good though. I wasn't excited when I saw the cover and I saw the original sin because I was gonna try to avoid all those tie-ins, but I guess I, I have no choice. He just but, found a way to use a little element and make no, a story. No, if anyone, his... if it's gonna work for any any characters, it's the invaders because yeah. they they've existed for that long. So these characters could have sinned a long time in the past. Although I yeah. still have the bad taste in my mouth of the last issue of Original Sin in which Nick Fury told Bucky he never liked him to begin with, yeah. which I was like, really? But we'll uh, see. I just new, I, new Nick I like, Fury or old Nick Fury? No, old Nick Fury. Right old Nick before, Fury before well, he cut right his head off. Fuck, he decapitated him. I never liked you anyway. Cut it off and be done with it. Mm. Yeah. I just like I'm I'm staring at this page of of you know Namor over over the ship. Yep. How great on is the Pacific that? Ocean. I want Mark Laming to do either a Namor book or just an old school Invaders book. I well, I like spending or time. anything. <laughs> I, I like this art a lot. I don't ever really get Namor stories, so I like I like I like that. It's true. I really like Namor, but because of that, because he's parsed out so 
infrequently. Like it is is actually exciting when he shows up. Imperious Rex. And I really like him in like the way that Namor's written now. Is it really like he could kind of be a bad guy? Sure. He's but been when a bad you guy. write about right, I know. But when you write about him in World War II, when you write about him with the invaders, like he's just the surly guy who is on your team. Yeah. Stalin. I, I like that more. He's is Stalin. He Stalin? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's, it's really he's interesting. Somewhat I mean, I evil dic- uh, dictator of another. Is he a dictator? Country? He puts the dick in dictator. Well, oh. he's royalty. Yeah. Um. I did, a, I did a piece for Marvel.com a while back on Golden Age characters, like forgotten ones. And what's really interesting is Namor, there's a bunch of versions of characters that are similar to Namor, just from other places, not the ocean. Like there's a guy from the sky, like a sky, like a floating city. There's a guy from like know. underground. Seems a pre-aviator. And then like Rock or uh, Rockman, who just lived from an, in an underground city. And they all, you know, are interested in what's going on on the surface during World War II, and they're like, what the hell's wrong with you people? And it's just interesting that Namor is the one that's stuck. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. First, I was going to feel bad about comparing Namor to Stalin. Side note, he's not a real person. I don't know why I'd feel bad, but Stalin's then right. I realized he did bring that giant tidal wave in Manhattan. He probably yeah. killed thousands of people, so fuck it. He's Stalin. All right. You don't come back for that, though. That's the problem with the comics, is that he's come back with it. You know, he's part of the Illuminati. They kept, you know, they're not letting Stalin in there after, after the pogroms. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Let's take a quick break to mention Amazon. Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. It got, it got weird, didn't it? How, is that how you can help us out? You can listen to last week's show for all the caveats for this segment. We're not going to do that again, but Ifanboy.com slash Amazon is if you're making if you're still making Amazon purchases, you can help the show out by going through that link and get, letting us have a piece of your sale, not coming out of your sale price, but Amazon's uh, pocket. So that is one way you can help us. We really appreciate everyone who does that every day. I do it every day as well. Um, ifanboy.com slash registration is a way you can help us also directly by becoming an iFanboy member at $3 a month or $30 a year, as well as donating any amount you like. If you're a crazy billionaire and you want to donate a million dollars, we're not going to stop you. Although, you might want to let us know because we're going to have to talk to our accountants and there's going to be tax implications. But still, we'll let you do it. If you like doing that, ifanboy.com slash registration. So, did we talk last time... Uh, the Walking Dead came out about there being the time jump and the big switch and everything. And this is uh, basically more time spent with them in their new world. Uh, we've jumped ahead, I guess, several years um, in determined amount of time. But, but every, you know, everyone's much older. And for like like a few pages, I was like, I don't know who these people are. And I was like, oh, that's Rick. I'm looking at Rick. Because not everyone's grizzled. They're ungrizzled. And so we're seeing them sort of exist in this world and build a thing up. And of course, as anyone who reads narrative knows, that's a problem. Um, but I really enjoy it. Like, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it's been around a really long time. And to watch them go from place to place and run and, you know, there's been different situations where they were kind of stable. But at this point, like, it feels like it is permanent or at least it has been for a, a good amount of time. And, you know, they keep bringing in new people that we get to meet and, and look at and... and I like the father stuff that's going on, and uh, it's 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 been it's good. It's been a very it's been a, a breath of fresh air, uh, of undead fresh air. But for how long? <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, he let that war arc go on for a hundred issues, whatever that was. So, <laughs> um, but there's also obviously like if you look around, you know, there's little there's little piles of of tinder everywhere that could light a flame. There's several of them, and so that that sort of intrigue is there in all the all the rosiness. So. Um, it's good, is what I'm saying. 
So I wanted to mention a couple of all ages comics that uh, that stuck out at me this week. Uh, Angry Birds number one, <laughs> based on the very popular. What could possibly be the story here, other than frustration? Well, there, other than frustration, well, there's um, there's short comics, so it's there's three little stories in each of these issues, and two does of it them use words, or is it just like it does ah! use words? They do talk, and I think there's going to oh. be like a cartoon or like a movie about the anger, because of course there, of is. course there will be, of course there. So is. it's Jeff Parker did did uh, two of them. Um, he just sold me with Paco Rodriguez. That's why I was like, and I then, didn't know that. And then Cesar I'm, Firioli. I'm listening. And then uh, Paul Tobin did the other one with Marco Gervasio. And so the three little stories, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're trifles of little stories, but they're, it's kind of, I look at it as like a puzzle. Like, what the hell do you do with these characters? Get, uh, like, uh, the, 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 like, you can imagine the phone call. Do you want to do Angry Birds? Right. Is there like okay. ennui? We learn the backstory of the birds. We get their motivation as to why they are Dark so angry birds. Not really. I mean, it just reminds me of like a like a you know a little seven minute you know like Looney Tune or something. Or or it really reminded me of the Barnyard Commandos. Um, that was that was probably just my generation, and it was so a, sheep's uh, versus pigs, and it was a toy line and a cartoon. No bird ang- origin story as to why. Why they're angry? There's a little like, bit of like, pa- there's paranoia in the third one, which is a little bit of uh, the monsters are due on uh, Maple Street mm-hmm. um, when the pigs start sending over pa- care packages of candy. They start air- like air dropping these packages of candy, but then they're wrapped uh, in paper. Uh, smallpox. And, smallpox. And on the paper, it's drawings showing one bird being mean to the other one. And the birds start getting suspicious of each other, and they start infighting instead of fighting the pigs, who are the real enemy. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a plane, yeah, and uh, I was in the middle seat, and I was reading my book or whatever, and I started getting really tired, and I couldn't go to sleep because I was in the middle seat. And the woman on the left of me has a spreadsheet out and our laptop, and she's doing all sorts of work, and the woman on the right is clearly working on some serious business proposal, and I was like. Well, I'm going to be between you two playing Star Wars Angry Birds now for a while. <laughs> and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you I didn't feel conspicuous, but, uh, but I played it. I played the whole thing all the way through, uh, the free trial part anyway, because I couldn't buy it because I was on the plane. Mm-hmm. It's That's fun. It's, it's, it's lighthearted it, and it fun. Is, uh, yeah. And I, th- I think that it's like each one is a, it's a little puzzle. And... Is there any way that they could overlay the Angry Birds with World War One and or Two? Because I think that would really do something for me. I think that's in there. I think that's the subtext. Like the pigs, the pigs are pretty much the Axis powers, right? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, the other one is Figment number one. Uh, Marvel, um, since it's now owned by Disney, has been doing some sort of weird, obscure Disney tie-in kind of comics. And this one is based on the character of Figment, who I've never been to a Disney theme park so apparently he's the mascot for Epcot. What's that? Disney World, Disneyland. It's Disney World in Florida. Disney World. It's, it's the one that looks like the Death Star, right? Yes. So Figment is the purple dragon, and he's been around for a while. And then there's uh, the Dream Finder, who's the scientist. And this story uh, attracted me because I like purple dragons, and also it's drawn by Philippe Andrade or Philippe Andrade, uh, who did an arc of. Captain Marvel and yeah. did some John Carter comics for for Marvel as well. Anyways, beautiful book and this this is the first comic I ever read on my iPad that I just got and the colors are gorgeous. Um and the colors are by uh Jean-Francois Boulet. 
Well, you're you're a color aficionado, so you'll be pretty happy about the iPad purchase because the colors pop. It's astounding. Yeah, is that it's, Scotty's yeah. colorist? Might be. Or is that another French person? It looks name? like Scotty's. I don't to, know. Jo- to Josh, all French people are the same. Similar idea, but but any but anyways, I love how you're just racking up these. <laughs> this is a this is a really great hell? this is a really great all ages comic and and um it's it's uh it's 1910, uh London England, and so we're at the tail end of the Victorian era and this scientist who is a dreamer um is tasked with creating a pure energy source so like you know Tony Stark in the first Iron Man and he decides to create um, mind Dragons. energy and he, cre- he creates his mental energy and it bring and he, and he starts looking into his memories and he brings out his imaginary friend from when he was a little kid. And it's this purple dragon named figment. And by the end of this, he creates this big sort of steampunk engine uh, powered by, by dreams, daydreams, by his thoughts, his imagination and it opens up this big rift, this big portal, and he gets sucked inside. And he and Figment are now uh, in the world of imagination. And is, it looks if like this, a crazy if place. this, you is and it a, me, is it a mini? Uh, I'm sure it is. If it ends with Puff the Magic Dragon and Figment fighting, then I will, I will read it. I'll that would be kind of cool. Only if Willy Wonka's there and Pete's dragon, and there's just a giant brawl. I'm and then at the that. end of it, Matthew McConaughey shows up and he Ooh. says, "Josh, wait, hold on." Uh, I was I was trying to think of the one with Sean Connery, so I was in a different. What's that? Which one's? What? You know where where he's the last dragon? I am the last oh. one. I don't know. What, what dragon we movie blew was it. that? We had a perfect Reign of Fire part, and you just blew it. Bring it to me, Quinn. All right, let's talk about X Men. Well, it doesn't say. It says it just says number one. It doesn't say one of something. I am oh, the last one. one. X All New X Men twenty eight. All New X Men twenty eight was great. Great Stuart Immen and art, which also looked yep. great on the iPad. And what I I liked about this is that we haven't seen. I mean, Professor Xavier Paul's has played. IPad comic review from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Xavier has played a role even beyond the grave in a bunch of different books. He's you know he's always there. He's all this looming presence even though he's gone. But here we get to see what it would be like if there was an evil Professor Xavier, and not just his creepy twin sister, but like his, and so his son Xavier, who we met. Uh, and the storyline with uh, all the different timelines coming together. Um, he and his, I guess his brother, Ray's. So that means Xavier. And Mystique. And Mystique had a kid. Unless and Xavier this... and Logan had a kid. Unless, yeah, exactly. You know, so it was like, science is trying to do the math here. But yeah, so, the, Wait, so Mystique and Wolverine science. had a kid named Ray's. Yes. And Mystique and Professor oh, well, Xavier right. had a kid that he just calls himself Xavier. And it's just a bald guy who looks like Professor Xavier, just a little bit younger. Anyways, he come, they go back into the past, and it's very timely um, because it's all that great stuff that we loved in uh, Days of Future Past, the movie, and all the weird timeline stuff. And their talk about time travel I thought was really interesting, and um, it sort of broke Future Beasts, like just thinking about all the different timelines. He just went crazy. I like the little Back to the Future sort of joke with the letter that showed up on the doorstep. Yeah, exactly. Up. That was fun. Mm-hmm. It's as 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 mind bending as time travel can be, and as frustrating, it still can be really fun when you play with it the right way. And I really uh, like the if we screw up, we just go back a little further and do it. You know, it's like well, it's all those like the, the 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 like well, what would the next step be? Well, right. obviously that would be it. Um, I just I have one question. Yeah, mm-hmm. is there anybody better than Stuart Eminem at doing this type of book? I, no, it's just not. Like, there's nobody better. These these these. 
these layouts and and just like his compositions are just so good. There's it's a there's so a two good. page spread in here with a Colossus on it, and it's Xavier saying, "I hate you, people. That's why I'm doing this." Because Young Jean is saying, "Why? Why are you attacking?" Because he's attacking her with mental energy, and because she's even weaker than he expected her to be, because she's so young and hasn't learned. Uh, how to control her powers yet and how to put up those barriers. Now, and she's like, why? And he says, why do people keep asking why? Just because I just hate you people. I, you know, like all good bad guys, he does have some valid points. Yes. Yes. A couple of them are like, you know, you, you killed my dad. You took his money. You took his house and you took his name off it. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're right. They did. They They're made great the school, villains. The Jean Grey school for mutants. And I was like, well, they just, sh you know, I didn't realize they just shit all over Xavier in that moment when they did that. And it didn't occur to me until just until his, his crazy son saying it. But, uh, you know, he's got some valid points. I like I like both him and I like Ray's too. I like, you know, Ray's like, g give me one of the good mutants, one of the ones that I'll really enjoy killing. Get me a Cyclops. I hate that guy. See, now that is a bit really more in a, in a moral gray area that Paul agrees with with that. But, yeah, you know. I understand. Mm -hmm. I like I like the uh, I like the young Cyclops. I like the kid Cyclops off in his own solo book. I don't like adult Cyclops. That's where I'm at now. I actually I've, my my dislike of Cyclops is that nuanced that it's just different iterations of Cyclops I can like and not like. Okay. Well, those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com. You can find this show. You can find the comment section. You can talk about these books. You can talk about other books we didn't get a chance to talk about or didn't get a chance to read and have a good old time talking about comics at fanboy.com. Now, this week there was some news, some rumor in the world of comic book movie and TV shows. And the first bit of news was that Vincent D'Onofrio, the great actor from Law & Order uh, Criminal Intent and from Full Metal Jacket and from the Men cell. in Black... And from the cell and from all <laughs> kinds of things, uh, has been cast as Kingpin in the Netflix Daredevil series. We didn't, I don't believe we talked about the Daredevil casting, or did we? The guy from no, we didn't. Uh, no, the guy from uh, Bordock Empire, whose name escapes me, has been cast as Daredevil. The Irish What's in a box, man, Steve yeah, Buscemi, Daredevil. Steve Buscemi was not cast as Daredevil, um, box, box guy, and uh, Irish box guy, northern Irish, Irish box, guy. box guy. He was really good on Boardwalk Empire, so I'm really he excited. Was. He was also so, in Stardust, the Neil Gaiman movie. Right, that was a good but not, movie. Not but as I saw it once many years ago, and I don't remember. I did it. as well. Not as good as as all all the killing he did on Board of Sure. Anyway, uh, so far two actors named, but two really really strong actors. So this bodes well already. And you know, it also points to what characters are going to be involved. We knew that there was going to be a Daredevil. We didn't necessarily know there was going to be a Kingpin. So, do you think that they're you know leaning more towards doing like a Bendis style? Daredevil story. Let's say let's call it a Frank. Too... Let's call it a Frank Miller style. Frank Miller style. Okay. <laughs> all, let's let's let's, let's just yeah. let's let's just watch that now. Okay. Uh, uh, well, the, uh, the real question will be if we hear a, if there's a bullseye. Yeah. If there'll be if there'll be a bullseye. The thing is, like bringing bullseye into it is like they told that story in like the movie. I mean, you know, what well, I mean, like, Kingpin too. Kingpin was in the movie. Too. Yeah, but yeah, but there, there really isn't more to the. Well, that's that's very reductive. But the bulls, the Daredevil story, if you're telling one, is. Kingpin, Bullseye, and Elektra, and Bull Daredevil. That, those four people. But also, like, Kingpin can be a figure in the background. The story doesn't have to be. That can just be the, the constant of, right. you know, that, that, that force in his life that is always there and is So if you don't want to see Bullseye, who do you want to see? I, I've actually really enjoyed Stilt the Man. Owls. I've really enjoyed the Owl stuff lately. Owl's been great. Uh, the and I also think... Kingpin. Um, 
No, it's different. But I know I don't know if those exist in the same time. But I also think uh, like the Purple Man stuff that that Bendis did was really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, something like Spot. No, <laughs> not I like, that. I like Spot. Not that. You know, Lady Bullseye. I think is the way to go. <laughs> where he gets, we should do the Brubaker arc, where he gets the crazy wife, and it, do a, oh, do an episode God, in French. Oh. Yeah, and it just goes oh. on for goes on for fucking years. French episode. Oh. I like it. French episode's fine. There's no no wife anywhere near that. Mila. But I just so I just gotta see. I re- I really like I like the casting. I like Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, as Kingpin. That's really interesting. I would like was- because the thing is, he he kind of has one of those. Uh, He's not really the calm, controlled type. No. <laughs> and so that does lead you to the danger of of, of the Tommy Lee Jones uh, Riddler. No, is it? No, who is it? Tommy Lee Two-Face. Jones Two-Face. Two-Face. Jesus, Sorry. Josh, it's embedded in our souls. I've There's never seen the same never movie. It's down where I've, it hurts. So that's I've where never Tommy seen Lee Jones it. Two-Face lives. You've never seen it, really? I've never, I walked out. Did you really? That's interesting. Yeah, I did. I walked out, and I never saw it. I never saw the first Batman. That movie's great. Oh, my God. Same. That better be directed. Stop doing this to us. I like. (laughs) Did you walk away? I walked. It's like you were across the room. I stumbled away in pain. (laughs) I'll watch it. I watched Ghostbusters. I saw that movie eighteen times that summer in a theater. I watched Ghostbusters. Nineteen eighty nine. Every weekend I was there. I had had action figures from it from the first movie, but I was too young at the time. There were there were only three action figures. (laughs) There was Batman, Joker, Joker, and and the guy with the beard. Bob Bob the Goon. Bob Bob. the Goon. Okay. Next, you're gonna tell me that you don't know who uh, Rick Oley is. I mean, come on, Knox, give him a grant. Come on, Paul, give him a grant. He just wants a grant. You're gonna need a long lens. Wasn't there a Knox figure? You could have been giving guys grants all day with that figure. <laughs> I remember how much I hated Knox when I was a kid. <laughs> now I just think I was a tiny anti-Semite. What's he doing there? That's <laughs> awful. Oh jeez. <laughs> joke. I saw no, Ghostbusters. No, no, it's funny though, is it was a totally different kind of like adult humor that I just totally wasn't into oh, when absolutely. I was twelve that didn't seem to fit in a Batman movie. Now I watch it and I'm like, Knox is great. I like <laughs> it's just like it's just like this this comedian there who doesn't belong and it's hilarious. <laughs> like he's asking for money. This guy must have been king of the wicker people. I know more <laughs> lines that Knox says than anything else. <laughs> and to this day, that's the only reason like like King of the Wicker People. I love Bob Wool because of that. <laughs> he, he he was really good in that. He was you're, absolutely you're right. I, yeah. I know we're talking about Batman. Fuck it. We're gonna cut this next. Time. Um, <laughs> it it when I was a kid, I didn't like him either because he was you know he was dumb. And he was taking up screen time. But yeah. now he's king yeah. of the Wicker People. It'd be like if it'd be like if Richard Lewis showed up in the middle of Avengers. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Why why is this happening? Sure. <laughs> A different kind of energy. Also, I want to see that movie. <laughs> I kind of want to see it too. <laughs> I mean, you know, Harry Dean Stanton's one thing, but jeez, oh, uh. oh man, you know, Paul, you might have another bit of homework. I'm just gonna have new homework every week. That's a, that is a, that that is a good movie. All right. I mean, that's just like that's a that's a really fascinating piece of cinema. I think that also happened to be a gigantic. I don't even think I like it. I don't. I mean, I loved it. I saw. It. I remember seeing it three times that first weekend. Um, which is, I didn't get you know, to see it till Sunday because you couldn't get a ticket in New York City. My it comic was... shop did a did a did a thing, so I saw it like Friday, and then I saw it on Saturday and Sunday. I had to go. How do you remember like, that first, far back? It was a really big deal. All right, I saw. I didn't see it. I only saw it one time. But what I did do was when the trailer came out, I saw a movie twice in one day just to see the trailer again. Do you remember the difference in the trailer and the movie? 
Uh, movies longer. In the trailer, <laughs> in the trailer, the Joker says, "Where does he get those wonderful toys?" And right. in the movie, they cut the line off for some reason, and it's "Get those wonderful toys." They took out the question. They made it into an imperative, but they did it poorly. That's weird. It is weird, and it always bothered me. I'll tell you the movie I saw. I saw my mom and I went to a movie. This is an impressive bit of memory. In the summertime, uh, you know, go to matinee with with your mom when you're 12. And I saw, and the Batman, this is before, you know, you didn't know trailers were going to come out. Suddenly there's Batman. Yeah. And so my dad gets home from work, and I'm like, we're going to the movies. So we turned around and went back to the same exact movie. It was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Nice. (laughs) That's the one where he shits at the table. Yes. I remember going to see Car 54, Where Are You, with my dad. You've never seen that movie? No, maybe I did once, like, in it's, the middle. They, but... they play dueling con artists who... Yeah. Tra- and, yeah. I just remember he shits at, or pees or something, <laughs> hit the table. I have to go to the bathroom. I saw it on Broadway okay. with John Lithgow. It's good. It, it was a funny movie, but I I really literally saw it twice when I just saw the Batman trailer again. And uh... Must have blown... See, this is the that's the thing. You're going to see every goddamn thing that happens in Star Wars before you ever get a chance to. You're not going to show up and get surprised by the trailer in a theater and just blow the bracket of your brain out of your skull. Right. It's not going to happen. It was it was a quasi-religious ex- experience. I'm at, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that summer was... 89, you know, you're 12. For me, you know, as a huge Batman fan that, then even, and seeing it on screen, oh, my God, it was that ridiculous. That's why I, I remember. 89? Okay. I remember being confused a lot, though. Like, like this music's weird. And that's still the case, but now again, in retrospect, it's just oddly brilliant. I was I was five, so hey, you know, I was reading G.I. Joe on the cusp, but I I did see you know Batman Returns in theaters. I remember that vividly. What are you? Well, stuff. that's been our. Oh, wait a minute. We got we got we got a report here. Report. Paul, you have to report your your findings on Ghostbusters. Was uh man, it was a uh, Ghostbusters. Think very carefully about this because your future on Jeff, this show is you're saying the Jeff Kanata is available. I really like the the line about the major appliances. I thought that was very funny, and I like the idea of the refrigerator. That I guess that's that's linked. I am scratching my head to the point where I'm worried about blood coming out. Uh huh. Because I don't understand what you're saying. We, can we talk about about the the pitch perfect script that set the tone for comedy for the next ten plus years? Well, oh my god, it's it's interesting. That yes, it's true. This man has no dick. That's a funny line too. No, it's a fucking <laughs> classic line. It's a good line. Flowers are still standing. It's a good exchange. Yeah, that's that's good. I would have the, missed the that archetypes. if you hadn't shouted it out before I watched it. Yeah. The archetypes of the of the of the three figures, and then and then the working class Joe who comes along to work with them for an ungodly low wage. I might add, Winston said more. It was yeah. It was it was like eleven five, and I did the I did the math recently, and it was like he made twenty eight k a year. That's not that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Lenny, you would have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. <laughs> I can say almost that entire movie. Couldn't hurt. Memory. I think there are missed opportunities for jokes. I think there are dry spells wow! in it. Dry spells? They're dry spells. Like the, the the stuff with Rick Moranis. The material isn't all isn't all that funny. Are you kidding me? His He's whole thing about is about he can he can expense the party. He doesn't have any friends. Yeah. 
He only has business associates. I don't know why they came. I just I think it needed another draft or two. <laughs> you know, Harold Ramis is dead, right? I know. No, he's not. His wife is. No, Harold Ramis is definitely dead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not Rick Moranis. I think an yeah. Ivan Reitman or no. Oh, Rick Moranis' wife. I'm sorry. Okay. No. We were just talking I, about. We were just talking about. Harold Ramis co-wrote it. Yes. Yeah, Ivan Reitman's quite alive. Wow. All right. And I felt bad for Dan Aykroyd. He didn't really get many jokes. He wrote it. Like he didn't write any jokes for himself. It was like it was like he was afraid to give himself Dan jokes. It's like I'm gonna job. write I'm gonna write some funny stuff for my friend Bill Murray. Just needs spark plugs, sparks, new brakes, new brake pads, uh some wiring, uh <laughs> great stuff. They also there. upgrade the car too early. They the car is cleaned up and has a new paint job when they're going out on their first job. That should be part of the montage of when they're successful and they're on the news. That's a that's a they nitpick. They all their but... cash in the beginning. They were yeah. broke. They spent too much up front. This was the last of the petty cash. This little feast here. I know. That's why the car should have still looked like it's shit when they go out Twinkie. on the first job. <laughs> then they get more cash coming in as they're more successful Josh, appearing on morning news shows. It's a big Twinkie. It is. Oh, God. Uh, this is what it's it. like to have kids. Oh, the EPA guy—that's a missed the... opportunity for comedy. That he guy had, is not he good. Had no, he had no That guy was a staple of '80s bad guys. Real genius. I like, I like that the bad guy was like he was a member of the EPA. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's a funny fact, but you can do something more with the character. You know, there's no. There was no time. That wasn't the point. No we time. Need to get to the, we needed to get to the giant marshmallow man, and we got to him. That's it's a, a great sailor, joke. New York. Sun <laughs> shore leave. We get him laid. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just all the smoke and fire reminded oh, me of camp. Yeah. I remember. I remember that reveal when I was a little kid. It kind of went over my head because they didn't really explain it. Right. They just cut to Ray talking about what it was and uh oh it's so good, it's so good. don't watch ghostbusters 2 because that's going to disappoint you <laughs> which i loved by the way when i was a kid sure vigo why am i drippings with goo why are you living up in here when you could be living it up in california's beautiful san fernando valley oh paul i know this hurts don't watch Stripes because that that's got that's got some dead spots. That's, I've seen Stripes. Stripes is like a precursor for this. It's not as good. It's got it's John good. Candy though. I don't like the second. I don't like that last act. It's it's weird. John Candy was supposed to be in this movie, but he said no. It's supposed to be John Candy, Eddie Murphy, and uh, John Belushi. He's and Belushi Christ. died. Belushi's part was taken by Bill Murray. And Candy was supposed to be Lewis. And uh, there you go. I'm hurting in my soul, much like thinking about Batman Forever. Candy would have been a good Lewis. All right. Well, let's move beyond this debacle and uh, plug a couple of things. Oh, email. Uh, we didn't skip the emails. Contact.ifanboy.com is where you can email us. She's a dog. Emails 888-FANBOY-326-2697. She sleeps three feet above the covers. <laughs> Um, if you I, love when he goes, I love when he goes to check her apartment out the first time and he completely doesn't believe anything. <laughs> no, no, no. They hate this. <laughs> just, just, just doing, he's just, uh, 
He's got, it looks like a sprayer for like uh, pesticides. Yeah. yeah. Is, you doing I that right? So. I think so. <laughs> it's Bill Murray is a genius. Yeah. Maybe you don't. You do like Bill Murray. I do. Like, I like. I like Bill like, Murray in it. But you like you like twee Wes Anderson Bill Murray. <laughs> I like I like most Bill Murray. Let's wait. 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 No. Let's back it up now. The answer is all Bill Murray. Yeah. Like, I was gonna. Although, can I, can I go, I'll go ahead and logic and play because we're just talking about shit now. This thing where he just shows up in people's lives. Yeah, it's getting. It's getting. It's getting kind of weird, isn't it? Like it's a little. He's sad. just doing it a lot. It's more, it was more special when it was rare. Now it's like yeah. every time I turn around, it's now it's Fred somebody's... Durst standing at the top of the escalator at at the, at the record store once. And right. It's weird. Right. But he's always been like that. Apparently, like back at, back during the days of Ghostbuster, apparently, like he was so well known, he would just like he knew everybody on the street, and he would like tip huge and just like live. You know, he was really friendly to everybody, and that's what he was like. He was an extrovert, so I don't know, maybe that's his thing. All right. Well, this is Clearly a weird, trans- is. <laughs> weird transition, but I want to make a quick plug for uh, the Warner Brothers studio tours. I was uh, given a chance to go on to the get an early look of the Batman Museum exhibit they've added to the studio tour. It begins June 26th, although you can you can get an early look now if you're lucky. And it runs through, I believe, the summer right now, but they're talking about extending it through November when the release of the Batman uh, 66 DVDs come out or Blu-rays. But uh, there's... There's two segments. There's a museum segment with co- features costumes and props, and basically every costume, major costume from the Batman '89 forward. So there's there's uh, all the Burton films and all the Nolan films and the Schum- Schumacher films. All those costumes are, or at least all the major ones. All the Batman costumes are there and all the Joker stuff and and there's a lot of props and things, very cool stuff. And I p- took a bunch of photos, put them on my Facebook page. If you uh, if you follow me there, you'll see those photos. And then there's another room where they have a bunch of the vehicles, so you see the uh, the tumblers and the bat pod and the eighty nine Batmobile, which is still very cool. And Do you spell so, that with an E in Tumblr, or is that not? not uh, I think like, Batman is originated that didn't he? Did no vowels. Yeah, it's just B T M N. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the vehicles from the Schumacher films, and so if you're a bat, big Batman fan, you live in the California or Los Angeles area. They got the bat boat. They have yes, they're from Schumacher. They do. The, the penguins duck thing. They have a couple of penguins. Okay. Do they have they Michael Caine the there? It's Michael Caine there. Is there to greet you. Like the actual penguins. Answer? Also, gifts to the right. <laughs> yeah. They have some penguins. Two of the penguins. They have the blue poppy. They have Harvey Dent's coin from the Nolan films. They have the Joker suit, which is actually a very cool. Personal one Heath Ledger wore. Um, they have uh, the Bane, which I, I kept laughing every time I looked at him. The Bane costume. Um, and uh, it's really cool. So if you're into that stuff and you're into checking out props and costumes and everything, never those are all fun. available. The, ba- the Warner Brothers Studio Tour. And in addition to that, you get the full-on tour experience, which is cool. And, and including George Clooney on the left. Uh, one of the things they told me about it was they're going to be adding things as they find them. So it's going to be a tour that uh, is um, alive, as you as they say. I want to so, I want to go. I want to be where they're looking for those things. Well, they're going through archives and things, and they they're yeah. going to be adding them as they find them. And um, they're hoping to add some Batman sixty six stuff. They tried. They're trying to get the Batmobile for the vehicles. The Bat phone. The Batmobile, as I remember, is just down the street on Riverside. Yeah, but they don't own it. Yeah, so they're trying. They're trying to get it. Um, and uh, they're trying to. They're trying to get some of the toys to put into the museum part. So it's should be cool. One. The one thing about the tour itself is you drive by past the courthouse, which is the 
outdoor set for the uh, 66 police headquarters where every that same shot over and over again where the Batmobile pulls up, Batman and Robin jump out, and they run past that lady in the red dress and go up to answer the commissioner's call. Fun fact, neither, neither one of those are the actors. Those are both stunt doubles. But uh, that's there, too. So it's cool. I took photos. You can check those out. Go to Warner Brothers Studio Tours. You can find out how to get on that tour. But if you're a Batman fan like I am, it's pretty cool to wander around and see all that stuff. And also a lot of the art and a lot of the uh, art design. So there's some Anton First pieces there as well, which that's are cool. cool. So head on over to ifanboy.com, comment on this show. Have you seen how the energy's come down, Josh, since Paul has revealed to us? <laughs> yeah, I just want you to secret? just think about it the other way. Like, like Paul gets off the call and he's like, how's it, how's it been lately? I, the, the guys that I work with, they keep making me watch movies from the 80s that I don't like <laughs> because they're old. And that's, that's what they liked back then because it was before they – like. Like I'm trying to see it from your point of view, which is wrong, but I, you know, it's, I guess it's somewhat valid. I did valid. not like it. I just – it it's hurts. like talk. It's like talking. To, it's like talking to one of those people who tells me that, that they don't. They don't get Jack Kirby. And that's and they're they should, they can be beaten. Ecto cooler now makes sense to me. I now that the mascots in there. Green guy. Oh, the light is green. The trap is clean. Light is green. Trap is clean. I'm gonna get emails, aren't I? Two in the box, ready to go. I had the place. We'd be fast. I watched the cartoon. They be slow. It's okay. We can just put them back in there. It's not a big deal. All right. Uh, look, I'm going to blow through this. Fanboy.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash fanboy. Facebook.com slash fanboy. Jay Flanagan. C.S. Kilpatrick. Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. We, we uh, really appreciate it if you do that. It helps spread the word. And then uh, that's it. That must be the most we've ever gone off the rails. Paul, thanks for doing the show. Yep. It was good to have last you. year. Uh, next week, Jeff. Well, I first I gotta find out what Jeff's thoughts on Ghostbusters are. I think you'll be fine. I cross the streams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can come back. Clean up the time.